Luke 15 is where you should be. And now last week I wasn't here and Eddie Townsend taught through all of Luke chapter 14. How many of you guys were here for that? Raise your hand, Luke 14. Let's do it differently. How many of you guys were not here last week? Let's just let's embarrass everybody. Where were you guys at? I wasn't here either. And Eddie Townsend, he's sitting in the back there with his new baby and he just had a baby. Can we clap for Eddie Townsend? He did an amazing job. And, and the way it worked out is Eddie asked me about six weeks ago or eight weeks ago, he said, hey, if you need me to cover the pulpit, let me know. I want, I want to teach. I just put that out there. I want to help. And it uh, turns out I needed someone to cover the pulpit last week. And so I texted him about four weeks in advance, maybe three weeks. And I said, would you cover this portion of scripture? And he said, I got it, you know. And I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in Luke 14 if you, if you would start there. And he says, I'll just finish the whole chapter, bro. I was like, no, dude, you're going to make me look bad, man. You're going to make me look bad. But that's okay, that's okay. He did a great job, got us all the way through chapter. He was going to try and finish the book of Luke and just get us into Revelation, but uh, you, guys, you guys weren't listening fast enough, but that's okay. And uh, what he taught us last week was what I would say is some hard preaching out of the red letters, Jesus Christ, telling people the call of discipleship, of, of going all in, counting the cost, not wanting to self-promote, but instead wanting to Christ-promote, wanting to be a real, authentic disciple. And the thing about it is when the truth comes out, you hear it, don't you? You're no or knows. Like you hear the truth and you're like, dude, that's some hard preaching, but that's good stuff right there. Does your knower resonate with the truth of God yet? Okay, if your knower doesn't resonate with the truth of God yet, your knower's broke, just so you know. Okay, you need your knower turned on. Maybe even now before you even start preaching, say, Lord, would you make my heart know the truth? Because I want to know if this is for me, and I'll tell you what it is for you. How many of you guys get coupons in the mail from Fred Myers or whatever, and you go through and you're looking for the stuff that you buy? You know what I'm saying? All the other junk, like, I don't want that. Then you see the stuff that's for you. You're like, yeah, I'll buy this. And then if you're like me, you cut it out and put it somewhere, and you never use it. It just disappears. But it's still valuable. And here's the deal. When the truth comes out, something happens in your heart. You say, that's mine. I, I, I need that. That's for me. And I say all that because look at the response in, in verse one. It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. When? Read the next two verses, or should I say the previous two verses. Salt is good. All you sodium buffs out there. Yeah, there's your verse. Pass the salt, please. Salt is good. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus gives a hard teaching. He says, guys, if you're not salty, if you lose your salt, what are you even worth? What is your life even worth? He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And all of a sudden, the sinners and the tax collectors and the people come near to him, and they gather around him. The sinners and the tax collectors, the guys who, based on the outward appearance and what they were doing, had no real wealth or offering to society, the ones who, when they heard Jesus preach the hard truth, they're like, can you just keep talking? Just keep talking. I need more. Look at the next verse, verse two. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they complained, saying this man receives sinners and he eats with them. What? Jesus is preaching the truth. The sinners, the tax collectors, these are both two camps of bad guys are showing up and they're crowding by Jesus. And then the good guys, at least that's what they think, they're really the bad guys. I think they're good guys, but they're so bad they can't even see that they're bad. The good, the Pharisees, they show up and they see the bad guys around Jesus and they complain. Oh, look at Jesus. Oh, hanging out with all these bad guys. Can't believe it. And so the Jesus 
responds, and I'm gonna go back in a minute, but Jesus responds to the Pharisees and the scribes who are mad at Jesus for hanging out with bad guys. He responds to them by, let me just put it this way, explaining himself. He exposes his heart. He's like, you wanna know I'm with the bad guys? You wanna know I'm with the sinners and the tax collectors, the ones that nobody wants to be with? Let me tell you exactly why. And this is the threefold. I'm just gonna say it at the front end. I won't reference it again. Maybe I will. Jesus then teaches them in verse three, a parable. And it's noted as a singular parable. And yet he gives us three veins to that parable. He tells us the parable of the lost sheep, famous parable. He tells us the parable of the lost coin, famous parable. And then he tells us the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, a famous parable. But he tells it at the beginning, I'm gonna tell you a parable, one parable with three stories. It's really one in three. Or it could be looked at as three in one. And I really believe he's exemplifying the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and their pursuit, listen, and their purpose, and their energy, and their focus for the sinners and the tax collectors and even the Pharisees and the scribes. Jesus is in trouble for hanging out with bad guys. Okay, this would be similar to if I left here and I went and had lunch with Madonna and Jay-Z and Eminem, okay? And you're like, what? What's Luke doing hanging out with those guys? Luke's lost his way, you know, thrown down there with those cats, you know. And Jesus is hanging out with these people who are of ill rapport, if you would. And Jesus says, let me tell you why that is. Verse three, he says it this way. So he spoke this parable to them. And I'm gonna read the entirety up to verse 10 and then stop and preach again. Here's the parable. He says, what man of you, verse four, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the wilderness? They're safe. And he go after the one which is lost, listen, until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, and he says to them, rejoice with me, for I've found my sheep which was lost. Verse seven, he now teaches them what happens in heaven when this happens. I say to you that likewise there will be no, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. Those are the people who stayed with him, the well people. Verse eight, or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, doesn't light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it, and she freaks out until she finds it. Verse nine, and when she's found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I set the table in that way. Because no matter what I say after this, I want you to understand God's heart. He's gonna dine with sinners and tax collectors, listen, and Pharisees. He's gonna have a meal with all y'all, no matter what camp you're in today. Maybe your sin is not evident. It's not able to be seen on the outside. You would be a tax collector. You're affluent. Things have gone well in your life. You're not lumped into the generic group of sinners, bad guys, but you're nonetheless a tax collector. That is, you've been offensive to the Lord. Or maybe you are that generic run-of-the-mill sinner kind of guy. These ones would be the ones with their pants down too low, walking like a penguin, you know. <laughs> maybe from Lincoln County somewhere. Just a sinner, you know, you're just, you're just a sinner. You're kind of aloof from what's going on in the things of God, living for yourself. And Jesus says, yeah, I want to can I, can I lunch with you? Love you. Or, or the tax collector. These, these guys would be ones who were hired by Rome, they were Jews, to then tax their brethren, the Jews. 
So can you imagine if Rome hired you and you went to your brethren and you taxed them and you took the tax money and paid Rome, but you also kept a little bit of taxes for yourself and so you grew to be very rich, but you're still a Jew living under oppression, but it's not really touching you. And so the other Jews would look at these tax collectors and say, man, you don't even, you sell out. You don't even know anything, but they have all the pools and the wealth and Zacchaeus was a tax collector, Matthew was a tax collector. And Jesus says, no, I love the tax collectors as well. Or maybe it's like the Pharisees who this began in, John, Luke 14, where Jesus went to one of the Pharisees' house and broke bread with him. And the Pharisees, they didn't have their own sin necessarily. They were aware of it. As a matter of fact, they were unaware of their sin. These were the religious sinners, the ones who were prejudiced towards others and proud and judgmental and unable to see what was going on in their own lives. And, God, and Jesus says, I love them too. And I say that because if you're like me, you tend to pick on whatever group you're not a part of, Right? Okay, you defend your group, because that's your group, right, man? But those guys over there, man, those sinners, those just knuckleheads, what are they doing? And the Lord says, what'd you say? He puts his arm around you, what'd you say about the knuckleheads? I was just praying for them, in Jesus' name, you know. Or maybe you're mad at the rich and successful and the abusers, the financially, you know, the aloof, the powerful, like, oh, man, those guys, and Jesus would come along and put his arm around you and say, what'd you say about them? I didn't catch that. What do you think? Uh, just praying for them too, you know. We're the Pharisees, which you all have a little bit of Pharisee in you. Okay, not as many at this church as some churches, but that's just me being a Pharisee, you know what I'm saying? Jesus just came up to me and put his arm around me. Did you say that? Did you say that? Come here. He's going to take me out and talk to me later. Oh, man. <sighs> Jesus here. I just want you to see what's going on. Verse 15 again, verse one says this, uh, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. This is after a hard teaching because I believe that we're designed to receive that hard truth. We live in a culture today that doesn't want the truth. As a matter of fact, if the truth goes against the grain of our culture, if I say something that is true, but it offends you as an individual, your stance what you want to believe and what you want to do. And if the truth goes against you, what our culture has done is well, let's just change the truth. Let's, let's have the truth adjust to who we are instead of what the Bible says. You need to adjust. That means change. That means repent. That means be different to the truth. Have you ever read anything in the Bible that rubs you the wrong way? You read it like, that's in there? You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever pet a cat backwards? <laughs> just try it. And the cat's like, what the heck are you doing? You know. The quickest way to remedy petting a cat backwards, okay, is to turn the cat around. Just turn the cat around. And sometimes the Bible will rub you the wrong way. You're like, I don't know if I like, I don't know if I like that. It's like, okay, well, you, you need to turn around. You need to turn around. And these people heard truth from Jesus and they flocked to him. And that's how your nowhere works, by God's grace. And he leads us by his kindness to repentance. Again, repentance means to change the way you think, which will change the way you act, which will change the way you live. Okay, it starts right here. Even today, you could just repent of how you think. You might not change the way you live, okay, for a week or two or three, depends on how many times you have to hit your head on the wall. Okay, you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh, what's going on? And then you change the way you live, which will ultimately change where you go, okay? You have to repent. Today, all of us, we need to repent of something. Change the way you think, change the way you act, change the way you live. And Jesus, by his grace and kindness, leads us to the truth because he doesn't want us to be knuckleheads. Verse two says, and the Pharisees and the scribes complain, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. I like this. This was meant to be a put down, but really it's a shout out. You know what I mean? 
Jesus is hanging out with sinners and bad guys. And he's like, glad you noticed. Appreciate that. No, that's a slam. No, it's not. You meant it to be a slam, but it's actually a compliment. I was at a pastor's conference last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we were talking with people, and a few people knew about our church, a few other pastors in our, in our community, the Oregon-wide community. And they said, oh, I've heard about your church, man. You guys are crazy, like meeting in a warehouse. And I heard that you even have a smoke break after the worship team's done. And I was like, well, you know, it's not people smoke during the break, but there's kids and bathroom and coffee, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and, but we do get people that look at the smokers out there, you know, it's a smoke break. And some people even complain from time to time. There's people out there smoking. And I'm always quick to ask them, well, what are they smoking? <laughs> and they always respond, well, c- cigarettes, man. I was like, oh, awesome. Last week they were smoking crack. That's way better. That's way better. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's kind of funny, you know. But does it not mess with your religiosity a little bit? And in, in, in you who don't smoke in here right now, you're like, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll figure it out one day, the smokers. And the Lord will put his arm around you and say, the what? The smokers? You're just as stinky as they are. You know, you smell just as much smoke as they do. You, you have your problems, and we like to pick on each other. And we like to say, well, I don't do that. Well, that's fine. You do a lot of other things. And the Lord would just put his arm around all of us and say, guys, I love you all. Like, like a man who lost his sheep, I'm going to go bonkers for you. Like a woman who lost that coin that speaks of her marriage vows. This coin, this 10-threaded coin for a woman in those days would speak of her relationship with her husband. It would be value monetarily, emotionally, relationally. It's a big deal. And he says, I'm going to find that coin. Whether you're a Pharisee, sin sniffer, long nose, looking at people, I'm going to bust you down. Or maybe you're a tax collector. You lost your way. You're just kind of stepping on p- people. God's like, I'll, I'll pull you aside. Or maybe you're just a knucklehead. You're just a sinner doing dumb stuff. God says, I got your number. I will come and dine with you too. These Pharisees, though, they, they weren't impressed by it. So Jesus speaks this parable to them in verse three. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Jesus is so patient. He came to the earth to fulfill prophecy, born of a virgin, okay? As a baby, born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. And then to live as a man and to live perfectly and then to die for a sinful, God-rejecting world. And while he was here, though, he didn't... What if Jesus just lived perfectly, like on the wall and never like talked to anybody, never did anything great and just kept it real, like, careful, 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 and then like threw himself up on the cross, you know? Like, I guess that'd be fine. But instead, he was in people's business. He was pursuing people on the way to Jerusalem in John chapter four. They're all hungry. And the Bible says that they had to go through Samaria, which you don't have to go through Samaria. Jesus did though. Jesus said, there's a woman there who needs my help. She's all jacked up. She's confused. Someone told her the wrong truth about a religion. I gotta save her. Men have abused her. She's on her fifth husband. She needs help. And the disciples that Jesus was with, they wouldn't have ever done that. And so Jesus says, Jesus is saving the whole world. Okay, and I'm fine with that. Jesus, focus on the big things. He's like, I am, but I love everybody. Every single person. And when the boys got back with the cheeseburgers, they went and got cheeseburgers for Jesus. (laughs) There he was sitting with this woman, the Samaritan woman on her fifth husband. 
And you know what Jesus said? Something crazy. He said, I'm not, I'm not actually hungry anymore because my meat is to do the will of my father who sent me. And he was there ministering to the guttermost, to a person. And when Jesus here is reprimanded by the Pharisees, oh, he's hanging out with a bunch of lowlifes and knuckleheads, a bunch of rich gangsters. He's hanging out with the people that we shouldn't be hanging out with. Jesus says, let me just tell you a story. And then he would take the time to tell this parable, this three and one, this one and three, the parable of the lost son and the lost coin and the lost sheep, that he would take that time, tells me that Jesus labors long with us right where we're at, and he wants to communicate that message of grace, peace, and joy to us, unlike religion, which cannot do that. Religion just identifies where to go and where not to go. There's no power or love to get us there. And Jesus says, let me just tell you a few stories that maybe you can connect with so you know what in the world I'm doing here. Don't you love that Jesus knows right where you're at? He's following you guys like a sheep. And he's orchestrating your life and bringing you places and doing things in you right now that, that you, if you're honest, you have to admit, it's just a miracle. God's put people in my place. He's done things. He's, I just, I shouldn't even be alive. Some of you, you know that. Near-death experiences. You should have killed yourself by now, but you're not. You're not dead. You're here. We did a memorial on Thursday for Floyd Ferguson. He used to sit right there, 84 years old. His wife sat right there, Patty. And we celebrated his life on Thursday at 11 a.m. And the place was packed out. I was pretty impressed. And as we celebrated his life and mourned our loss, the service was over and people went to the graveside. Then they came back for a reception. And I was cleaning up and almost done. And this guy I had not recognized came and told me, hey, I want to say thank you for your words today. What you did and how you did it was very good, very powerful. I appreciate it. And so I said, well, we do that at 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and 6 o'clock, you know. <laughs> Invited him to church. And he, he kind of like dodged that bullet. He's like, whoa, you know. He's like, whoa. He wasn't going to bite on that. Like he just, he saw it. He was, he's smart. And he's like, no, no, I, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But what you do, and he, and he, like, you know, I, but I knew what he received and heard on Thursday was truth. Okay, faith in Jesus Christ and it's what he needs the most right now. And while he might have been blessed at that service in whatever way, I know what really happened. He touched the Lord and the Lord touched him and he needs that. And here Jesus, these guys are mad at him. Hey, Jesus, you shouldn't be eating with these people. He's like, can I explain myself? Can I tell you a story? I want you to hear this. And I'm so thankful for the patience of Jesus with people. Jesus could have just folded up shop and said, oh, sorry, sorry about that, guys. Sorry for offending you. I'll go over here and die quietly. But instead, he's like, thanks for noticing that I'm with sinners. Now, you guys all know that while Jesus was with sinners, he was actually labeled a wine bibber, a glutton, a rebel rouser, and yet he never did any of those things. You guys know that he befriended sinners, yet did not party in the sense that they partied. He went to parties. He actually threw parties. Heaven's gonna be a party but it's in a holy, redeemed sense. And if you know the Lord and you've tasted of him, you know what the difference is. You're like, dude, the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And there's greater pleasure in nothing rather than in the presence of the Lord. And so Jesus here tells him this story. Look at verse four. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doesn't leave the 99 and go into the wilderness and after the one which is lost until he finds it. I like how Jesus puts them in his shoes. He's like, let's just paint a picture. You guys all know what it's like to have sheep or at least see a sheep. They weren't all shepherds. But he said, if you had a sheep that was gone, what would you do? If you lost something, 
Would you go after it until you found it? In your logical sense, you'd be like, yeah, I can see that, I guess. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Now, how many of you guys think being a shepherd's legit? Okay, such a trick question. <laughs> You're at church like, oh, I don't trust this guy on stage, you know? He's gonna make fun of me. You guys have all dressed up as a shepherd for Halloween before, you dudes, you know? In those days, being a shepherd was like the low place. It wasn't an esteemed job. You actually didn't apply for a shepherd. You fell into being a shepherd. Like there was nothing left for you. Like, oh, I guess I'll be a shepherd. And so what Jesus is showing here is his humility. He's saying, you know what? I'll be the shepherd. I'll watch the sheep. That's who I'm going to be. Instead, He could have came and said, I'm a king. And he is. But instead he said, I'm going to assume the lowest position that I might seek the lowest of people. And he gives this picture, this story of losing a sheep. Now, if Jesus is the shepherd. Who, who are the sheep? Bah, that's us, right? We're the sheep. Now, how many of you guys think it's legit to be a sheep? Remember when you were a kid, you used to take the paper and like glue some cotton balls on, like, look, a sheep, you know. Notice he didn't say that we're like German shepherds. What if he said, I'm the, I'm the dog trainer and you're the German shepherds? Like, did you know you can take a German shepherd and like teach it to do things? Like you can throw something, it'll bring it back to you. You can teach a German shepherd to like do tricks and stuff. Try teaching a sheep anything. Hey, sheep, go get this. You know, you're just throwing things. That's it. That's it. You're not fetching anything. It's all just throw. She, he says we're sheep. Why? Because sheep are dumb. Sheep are stinky. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep bite other sheep. Like, why are you biting them? And we see it. And sheep, man, the illustration's so perfect. I'm a shepherd, you're the sheep. You're like, yeah, I'm a good sheep. No. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that we like sheep have all gone astray. We do, st we do stupid stuff, each and every one of us. And, and, and here's the deal. We don't like that, but you need to understand that Jesus knows that, and he's your shepherd. Cool, what do I get to do? You get to be a dumb sheep. <laughs> do I get, like, a fanny pack or anything? No. How about, like, claws? No. Like, like you're, you're, you know, could I, do I get a growl? Nope, no growling. Any, any fangs? Nope, no fangs. How do I defend myself? The shepherd. The shepherd. You, all you do is get lost and eat stuff you shouldn't do and fall over. That's it, you know. <laughs> you, all you do is justify the shepherd's glory. That's it. I mean, don't you, you know, some of you are like, well, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty smart for a sheep, okay? <laughs> you know, like, or, or some of you tough guys, yeah, but I'm pretty tough for a sheep. Okay, imagine this. Let's say that on Highway 101 there by, you know, Arc Circle or something like that, there was a, a rollover and a bunch of sheep were, had been let loose in Newport. Like, you know, all points bulletin, you get an alert on your phone. Like, there's sheep everywhere. The first thing you're going to do is go take a selfie with them. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I want to touch one. Can I touch one? Now, if it were bears or lions or something, like you are hiding in your bedroom, doors locked, guns loaded, praying, right? As a matter of fact, when you put your kids to bed, if they can't sleep, you tell them to count what? Spiders and monsters, right? Just counts. No, because that's scary. That's horrible. You say, count sheep. Oh, yeah, sheep. And God says, that, I just want you to know, you're the sheep. And you walk and you, you do stupid stuff. And again, there's somebody in here who's like, oh, I don't really like that. Like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Here, here's the point, though. Jesus says, if you, what man, if he lost that sheep, wouldn't go after it? You ever lost something important? Isn't that the worst feeling? When you lose something important, can you even think about anything else? When you lose your wallet, ah, you know, 
How many of you guys you go online, you check your bank accounts, you're like, they stole my identity, where's this? You cancel all your cards. You can't even function when you lose something important. You lose your keys and your wallet. Your probably wallet's in your car. Then you lost your keys. You don't have a car now. Everything, then you lose something. I thought about this over the weekend, about all the things I've lost, you know, but you can't find passport, I can't find that, or I can't find this, or that one time I couldn't find my kid, you know, like, you know, and you, and you guys laugh. If, you, if, if you've never lost your kid, here's why. It's because you don't have a kid yet. <laughs> Amen? Kids are like ninjas. You're like hanging out with them, you're like, where'd the kid go? Kids. Man, kids are crazy. You know, I lose my kid. I remember one time Noah was out front of my house. He's about three, maybe four years old. And he's out front. And I went inside and he came out and he's gone. Oh, okay. He's can't gone far. You know, and Eddie Townsend at the time lived next door and we were, didn't have fences up around our properties. And so there's some ditches here. And so I just went and looked in the backyard. We we're still kind of building stuff. And Noah, and he's you know, not there. And he's nowhere to be found. There's some construction workers down below. And I'm thinking all the crazy thoughts and a big busy intersection here and all these thoughts. So I'm running around in about 30 seconds, which seems like 30 minutes, right? And I'm like this, ah! you know, like just yelling, you're like, try not to panic, but that's, you know, it only takes like four seconds and you're panicking. And so he's not inside, he's not outside, he's not on the side, he's nowhere. And I don't know what, I'm freaking out. And I run back into the house and I haven't yet alerted my wife that he's gone, my son, I lost my kid, you know. And all of a sudden I run by the minivan, our Honda minivan at the time, and I see inside the minivan this little silhouette of this little blonde haired kid. Big smile on his tinted windows, you know, big smile on his face waving. <laughs> and you know, all the thoughts, you're like, there you are, right there. Awesome, you know, and I, I was able to keep myself from like pulling him out and, sh you know, shaking, you know, and like, what is it? Because it wasn't his fault, you know, I was like, all right, we're good, we're good, you know. And here Jesus tells three parables in a row that somebody was going to be able to relate to, whether you're shepherd with sheep, you can relate. Or the woman who lost this coin. Again, when you would be married, you'd be given this necklace with 10 coins signifying your relationship with your husband. There would be monetary value, hundreds if not thousands of dollars in that coin. There'd be emotional and relational value. And it's really cool, by the way, this three-in-one parable. The shepherd is the son, and I believe the woman represents the Holy Spirit. This love, this, this neutral position. As a matter of fact, when the Bible talks about God the Father, it's masculine in the Greek. When it talks about God the Son, it's masculine. And when it talks about God the Holy Spirit, it's neutral. And I believe that this is God honoring women in this way and God showing his, his appreciation for love in this way. And then obviously the Father is represented in the third portion of this parable in the Father who loses his Son. And he wants us to understand when something is lost, that's how he looks at people. How do you look at people in the bus stop or people who come to NA on Friday nights at 7.30 or CR at 6 o'clock or the youth group or people that are different than you? Do you have that Pharisee outlook? Look at those people. Bunch of knuckleheads. No good in them at all. And Jesus says, what did you say? I look at them like a sheep that's gone. And when I find that sheep, notice in verse 5 he says, and when I find that sheep, I like God's confidence. How many of you guys are dumb sheep that God has found? I'm going to say that one more time. How many of you guys are dumb sheep that God has found? Whew, dude, for real. And he's like Liam Neeson. He'd call you. I know who you are. I'm going to find you, you know? And he finds you. 
And it says here in chapter, verse five, look at that. It says, and when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, his shoulders rejoicing. You know, a sheep is about 100 pounds. I mean, this shepherd is obviously a crossfitter. Like he is yoked, you know what I'm saying? He's gonna grab this sheep and like clean and jerk it and put it on its neck and walk up 100 pounds. Things heavy. Your sins, your life, your mistakes are heavy. Jesus didn't just call you over. Come here, come here, sheepy. Come here. You're on your back, you know. Wolf eating your belly, come on. No, he finds you, snatches you, carries you. And that intimacy, the shepherd carrying, I like that picture, all the way back, you know. And the sheep's like, I'm an idiot. And the shepherd puts him down. Don't you feel like an idiot sometimes? What does he, how does he respond? Calls up his homies, found them. I want you all to know, found them, fired up. The story goes on in the last portion in this scripture where he says, let's sacrifice the fatted animal, let's party. Found him, found my son, got him back. I need you to understand God's heart towards sinners out there and the sinner on stage and the sinner that you are. He pursues you, he loves you. When he finds you, you've probably believed that God's ready to smack you, he's tired of you. No, no, he snatches you and puts you on his shoulders and brags about the fact he found you. Got him. I got him, I got him, I got him. And the other 99, the Bible says, they're fine. They don't need a physician. They're doing just fine. I'm very happy that they're there. But my heart is beating towards the hurting, the lost, the rebels. And he goes after. How many of you guys have ever heard that illustration of a shepherd that would find a wandering sheep and upon putting it on his shoulders, he would actually break its leg if this sheep wandered more than once. You guys have heard this before. If the sheep wanders more than once, he would break that leg and then mend it to healing and carry it, the entirety of its healing process. So when it finally could walk, it would know the master so well that it would never stray again. You ever heard that before? It's actually not true. It doesn't happen. It's a myth. They don't do that. Sounds cool though. But what they do do is this. They do gather and rescue their sheep. And they'll put them back in the flock. And they will, instead of breaking their legs, maybe it's happened, but there's no record of it, they will put on that sheep a leg break, which is something that is tied to the sheep, like a bunch of rocks or something, that disallow the sheep from wandering too far, makes it harder for the sheep to get away, out of love. It just kind of puts a break in, in their step. And the Lord does the same with you and with me. And, he dis and if you're here this morning, how in the world did you make it here this morning? How did you... You have a shepherd. You have a shepherd that loves you. He's got his eyes on you. He will go after you. He will leave the 99 that are doing just fine and he will truck through the woods and he will snatch you. He will, like this woman, light the lamp, grab the broom, and search until she finds that coin that has great value, great symbolism, great relationship. And God uses his word like a lamp to light our hearts and he uses the broom of his Holy Spirit to sweep into our being. Maybe even this morning, you've been sensing the light of God in your life and the sweeping and God's searching for you. That's what he wants to do. This is who he is. This is why we do hope in the park, why we give away burgers and dogs and hope and pray that somebody would feel that God has loved them and sought them and wants them and values them. Yesterday, I was at the Andrew Palau Toby Mac, Ren Collective, Tadashi concert in Eugene. Went over there for Nemo's birthday, did some trampoline stuff, and 
went and had five guys. Totally failed to take a selfie at five guys, sorry. And then we went to the concert. At the concert, it was long, it was a festival really, and it was huge. At one point, Noah, my 10-year-old, said, Dad, how many people are here, like 1,000? And I was like, no, dude, there's like 10,000 people here. The place is packed. They're at the PK, Phil Knight Arena there at the baseball field. Here, here's my point, is they had ventriloquists talking. They had things for the kids, bounce houses and little fishing things. They had all kinds, on the field there. They had professional skateboarders from all over the world, professional BMXers, professional motocross guys from all over the world. They had speakers, professional musicians. Every single person that got a microphone or had a craft or anything to offer gave an evangelistic call to Jesus Christ to be saved. The whole event was to get people saved. Every single person was there. It wasn't just one guy, Andrew Palau, at the very end giving one altar call. Every single person. I was like, this is crazy. Every single person is asking every single person to get saved. And there were hundreds, maybe thousands of volunteers with these white visors on, walking around with Bibles and books. Did you, did you, did you raise your hand? Did you raise your hand? Come here, let's pray right now. Let's seal the deal. It was, I was just so encouraged. Eugene's not my field. I'm not there harvesting. I, don't, I wasn't part of the, the, the setup and the organization, so I didn't really gain all of the joy that those visor people had. But as I sat there for four, five, six hours in the sun, it was 175 degrees <laughs> in the shade. And I began, I was just so stoked. I was like, dude, God, would you bless this work? Even one of the skaters came over. These are professional skaters. And he came over and he preached the gospel to my son, Noah. He, and he, he, he took that effort. He's like, hey, how you doing? Good, nice to meet you. You know, and the thing, and he began to preach to Noah. Wanted to share. They were so on fire, so zealous for what they were doing. And here are these Pharisees, all they can do is nickel and dime Jesus, bag on him. And the Pharisee in each one of us needs to like kind of get checked today. Like, oh, Lord, forgive me for judging that church over that big church over there and wherever, or that pastor there, or that thing that, I don't know what's going on. Or maybe the knucklehead in you needs to be checked today. Maybe you're a sinner, just a run of the mill, just need to get your life right and you need to dine with Jesus. When the Bible says that he received them and ate with them, eating with people in that culture and receiving them was a kind of a big deal. Okay, nowadays I can meet you at Subway, you buy, you know, I'll get a six inch, it's fine. You know, it's kind of no big deal. We just kind of eat and go. In those days, you would take your shoes off. You would lean back to back. You would receive one another. There would be intimacy in that meeting. And Jesus is doing that with knuckleheads. And if you're a knucklehead here today and you just, you're kind of a rebel guy, Jesus loves you and he wants to be nearer to you. Or maybe you're like a Zacchaeus or a Matthew. Whatever the case is, Jesus loves you and he wants us to see his joy and his energy. Look at verse 10, final verse. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I kind of want to be exciting to heaven. I believe through various scriptures that all of heaven is leaning over the rails watching us the great cloud of witnesses. They're watching us run our race. And they're cheering us on, if you would, the hall of faith. And the Bible tells you and me that when a sinner repents, and I, I believe it's twofold. I believe it's repent for the first time to be saved when a person goes from death to life. I think all of heaven goes bonkers. But I also think when a believer, a sheep, repents of something in their heart, something that's gone weird, something that's wrong, when they just hear the truth and they say, yeah, that's me, I think all of heaven goes bonkers because we just got a touchdown. 
because we just did the right thing. It says that there's more rejoicing in heaven over the one than there is the 99 that are doing just fine. Now, I kind of want to be a part of the 99 that's doing just fine. It's safer. Like, I want to be over, yeah, I'm doing fine. Sometimes, though, I'm out here on the edge, and things have gotten weird. Spent too much time on I-5. <laughs> Something happened. You flesh, anybody, anybody still have flesh that gets squeezed out every once in a while? Like, Where'd that come from? And the Lord says, when you deal with that in humility and know my heart towards you is love, all of heaven is rejoicing over repentance. And again, repentance is so simple. You think differently. Okay? You confess that. You're right and I'm wrong. Like, I believe it. And then you act differently. And then you live differently. And I believe the Lord's heart for you and for me is that we would understand that that is his heart towards you. You got to own it first. It's got to be yours. How many of you guys are excited right now to go out and tell somebody God loves them? Okay, that's cool. You got to be excited to know God loves you first. Like you got to be in it to win it there and know what's going on and let that then drive you to humility where you can receive God's love in your imperfection. So imperfect are we. We're sheep. Well, I'm a real good sheep. No, you're a sheep. And yet when you, bah, the Lord will use you to then minister to others. I'll tell a quick story. The other day on Facebook, I saw one of our own had gotten arrested for some heroin charges. I think it was a Sunday night, just, just last week. And my first thought was, darn it. And my second thought was, I should go see that person. And my third thought was, I don't want to. I just don't want to. It's a hassle, it's a you know, all my problems. A couple hours later, another person surfaced on Facebook, another mugshot. And I was grieved. That person also goes to church here, saw them that same Sunday, two people. And I thought, I should really do something about this by going to see them. But I didn't want to. I'm just exposing my flesh. So I went to bed. And the only way to visit in the jail for me is to put a 24-hour notice in before I can go in. And so I knew if I called that night, I could do it. Or if I called real early in the morning before they open, I could possibly get in. So the next day I woke up, and guess who was on my mind? Those two individuals. I was like, ah, I don't want to do it. I just, I don't have, so I read this devotional by Paul Tripp that morning. If you don't have the new morning mercies by Paul Tripp, amazon.com, let's buy them out. They're really good. And in that devotional, his simple message was on those people who have been rescued and who have suffered, have been rescued and have suffered in order that they can then aid others who need to be rescued in their suffering. <laughs> Before I even finished, I pulled out my phone, called the jail. I said, you got to get me in if you can. And I threw another name on there, a gentleman I don't even know. He came up in conversation. I was like, put that guy on there. I say that to say this. When I went into jail at 2.30 that day, I was feeling like I was at the hospital in Portland. I didn't have anything. I was like, oh, I don't even want to be here. This is horrible. And yet I began to know God's love for me and God's love for these individuals. And can I just say it was one of the freshest times I've had in a while I would say years, that seems a little bit exaggerating. Sitting with these individuals for 15 minutes at a time with glass and a phone and the truth of God's love for them. The two individuals that go to church here, one does not yet. They both knew, and I wish I could tell more, they both knew that this was God's provision in their lives for what needs to happen next. One of the individuals actually came to our 6 p.m. service hours before they were arrested. Hours before was weeping 
and praying with one of our prayer people in the back. And their prayer request directly was this, God, would you help me get closer to you? There's things that have got in the way. I'm distracted by things. And these things were illicit. And hours later, and this person recalled this to me and said, I know what's going on. Smiles and tears in the hope of the gospel that when God rescues one, he rejoices and he calls people. He says, guys, I got them. I got them. I got their hearts. Okay, incarcerated or not, that'll come and go. That's part of the process. It doesn't define you. God's love for you. Are you his sheep? That defines you. Nothing can steal that. Paul would say in his own jail cell, the gospel's not chained. I'm a free man in here. Wouldn't it be awesome if we believe this about every single person, especially yourself? Do you believe that you're that coin? You're that special? Do you believe you're the lost sheep? Do you believe you're the prodigal son? We'll read that next story next week. It's your homework to read ahead, verses 11 to the end of chapter 15. It's a crazy story. The father's waiting for the son the whole time. When he finally sees him, he's like, light the barbecue! And he takes off running. And his son has done nothing but tomfoolery. Foolishness. And God says, I love that kid. And he loves you. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to have the worship team come up and lead us in a song. Time of response. A time for you to repent of your pharisaical ways, your judgment towards others, or maybe your sinful ways, your ignorance, your activities. You know that you're a knucklehead. You know you're a sheep here today that has gone astray. Every one of us are like sheep. We've all gone our own way. And the Lord has laid upon Jesus the iniquities of us all. Isaiah 53. And Father, as we prepare now to take communion, we pray a blessing on this time of forgiveness, Lord, and healing in Jesus' name. Lord, that your mercy would be ours, Lord. That the freshness of the gospel would be ours. Not just ours to give to somebody, but ours first to own that we would own it, that we would see ourselves as that coin, that you light the light, you sweep with the broom, you search diligently until you find it. You're not going to give up. And if there's somebody here right now that's not in yet, oh man, <laughs> you're going to go after him. Why? Because because what man, what would you do if you lost a sheep? What would you do if you lost something so important? something was not where it was supposed to be, you would go after it. And so too, Jesus, you will go after us. You will send people into our businesses. You'll send us to memorials. You'll send people to our jail cells. You'll send people to our hospital beds. You'll put us before people, Lord, wherever we go, in our schools in the September, Lord. You'll do anything you need to do to get us where you want us to be, Lord. You'll give us somebody that loves us, that loves you. Somebody that loves us, that loves you more, and now loves us because they love you. And I thank you for my friends here, Lord, my fellow knuckleheads, fellow sheep, fellow rebels, my fellow Pharisees. And if you fit in any one of those categories here, you just, you need to humble yourself this morning and repent. You just need to repent. Just become a, become a sheep in the, in the arms of Jesus today. Matter of fact, if there's anything in your life, if you're a Pharisee, you're just a jerk, you think you're better than everyone else, you have no compassion for the lost, you need to repent today. 
maybe, maybe you're a knucklehead. You've been doing st stupid stuff. And you just need to hear the master's voice. M maybe your stuff's hidden. You look really good on the outside, but you're so full of pride. and You're just that upper class sinful group. Would you just, if you're a Pharisee or a sinner, whatever, the, would you raise your hand right now if you just need the, the master's help? In Jesus' name, raise your hand. It should be all of us. It really should. Don't be prideful. Just, just tap out right now. Make, make today that day. The, the first day you ever raised your hand, make it today. Just raise your hand. Just put it up there a little bit. Just let him be your shepherd. Just do it. He loves you. He's not going to stop loving you. He has actually better things for you. He knows what you need. He's the shepherd. You're just a sheep. Put your hand up. Hold our hands up. We need your deliverance. We need your rescue. We need your mercy. We need to see things like you do. We invite you in, Lord. We're so sorry. Put your hand up. We're sorry, Lord. Thank you for saving us. We repent, Lord. May heaven rejoice. May we be the ones who kick off a party in heaven today. Just repent. Give your life to Jesus today. Raise your hands. Holy Spirit, would you just touch those whose hands are up right now? Forgive us. Lord, those who are wrestling really hard right now with sin, the grip of sin, would you just be their defense? Would you just blast any wolves that are out there trying to suck them away, trying to eat their lives up? Would you just blast those wolves off their backs, Lord? Any sheep in here that are upside down right now, you're just, you're TKO'd. Lord, would you just snatch them? Just put them on your back right now. Maybe there's a sheep here that needs a leg break. You just, you just, you don't want to do it anymore. May the Lord convict you to know the truth. Keep your hands up, Lord. Would you just anoint us in Jesus' name? We love you so much. You can put your hands down. And now, Lord, as we come to the table, we see the body and the blood represented in the cracker and the juice. It's just a, it's just cracker and a juice, but it's a picture. It's a picture of what our shepherd did. He didn't just show us the way or tell us the way. He became the way. He said, it's my body, it's my blood. I will become the way. As we come to the table, may we all be, Lord, set free from all the many things in this world that plague us. Jesus, you have been so thorough and so good to sit with your accusers that day and say, guys, let me explain to you what I'm doing. I thank you for your patience. May you even reveal to us greater. Lord, I pray for greater revelation in South Beach Church and everyone else, Lord, that's watching online or other churches in our town. Lord, greater revelation of what you're doing. What you're doing. We invite that. We invite, Lord, a directive, Lord, from you. What do you want to do in this next season in our lives in Lincoln County? May we understand that your thoughts toward us are good. Expressed on the cross, death, burial, and resurrection for our sins. Be honored, Lord, as we come to the table now. May you show us even greater things than we've already seen. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...